down the bat, Jordan. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Welcome to GVEC Unplugged, a podcast made by employees for employees. Hear interviews and discussions with coworkers. Stay informed about GVEC news and projects and catch up on the latest happenings at the co-op and more. Let's get started. Hey, GVEC team. Thanks for tuning in to the GVEC Unplugged podcast. Today, you're listening to myself, Marketing and Communications Manager Jordan Kuick, and I am joined by my good friend Evan Overby, or Evan, as I like to call him, our IT Operations Manager. Excited to be here today, Evan? Of course. Do you know what we're doing here today? I have no clue what we're doing here today. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to give you a little rundown. For this episode, you and I are going to react to a true crime story that took place here in Texas just a few years ago. I think it's going to be 2015. Uh, You a big fan of crime, Evan? Well, I do like a good mystery. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't support crime. I do not not endorse crime one bit. Okay, good, good. Okay. So, of course, we know a lot of people love hearing true crime stories, and this one comes from Texas Monthly. Uh, It was originally published in January 2020, and it was written by Skip Hollinsworth. So we're just going to give some credit there. Thank you, Skip, for what is a sponsoring this (laughs) this <laughs> this podcast with your writing. This is called The Doctor, The Dentist, and The Killer. I don't know about you, but I am going to just like go out on a limb and say that the killer did it. Yeah, are we are we guessing who did it? Yeah, is that's, that what yeah, I'm, the I'm gonna just is here? <laughs> <laughs> So what we're gonna be doing is we're going to listen in to this story. And I guess I didn't tell you that part. We're going to listen into this story and okay. we're just going to react to it. So as we have thoughts or comments, um, especially if they're entertaining for our listeners, <laughs> uh, we'll pause this recording and we'll chat about it. You on board? Okay. Sure. Okay. I'll try and behave. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you ready to jump in and find out? Let's do it. All right. Let's press play. Autumn presents The Doctor, The Dentist, and The Killer, published by Texas Monthly, written by Skip Hollinsworth. On an early June day, Brenda Delgado received a devastating email. It came from her ex-boyfriend, Dr. Ricardo Ricky Paniagua. Brenda was 31, a student in the dental hygiene program at Sanford Brown College, a for-profit institution in Dallas. She was petite, with eyes the color of almonds and a thick mane of auburn hair that fell to her shoulders. People who knew her described her as pretty and personable, someone always easy to talk to, one friend said. Ricky was 38, a California... She wasn't that easy to talk to if you sent her an email. I mean, <laughs> seriously. So, yeah, I've, it's funny because I'm already feeling disconnected from this story because of the way that she's been described. She eyes, the color of almonds. I, I've heard of almond-shaped eyes, but I didn't. It took me a second to think that through. So I'm already feeling a little bit disconnected because it, it seems like a story-like description of her. Yeah, well, and is this a story? This is true, right? It's a true story. Because those names sound very fictitious for some <laughs> reason, right? I mean, the truth is usually, you know, more obscure than fiction, but... So we're feeling a little incredulous at this point. I'm feeling like it's made up at this point, right? Okay. So then my question is, we've been been introduced to one character. Is this 
the victim or is it the perpetrator? Hmm. Jury's still out on that. Okay, let's find out. A native and graduate of the prestigious Stanford Medical School, he had come to Dallas in 2011 to complete his residency in dermatology at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center. Now it was 2015, and he was working as an assistant professor at UTSW. He was slim, with short black hair that he liked to brush straight upward. People said he looked like David Schwimmer, the actor who played <laughs> Ross on Friends. He was quiet and thoughtful, with a bedside manner that one patient described as second to none. Ricky had met Brenda in August 2012, and only three months after their first date, Brenda was living with him in his apartment. Wow. Except for one brief <laughs> breakup, they were inseparable for two and a half years. Ricky had gone so far as to give Brenda a promise ring. In February 2015, however... Is it just me, or does it seem like 31 and 38 is a little bit old for a promise ring? You think you'd go straight to an engagement ring? <laughs> All right. I, mean, I don't know what's going on here. Being a dermatologist, I mean, right. that's good pay scale. Yeah, well, maybe it's that he could afford multiple maybe, rings. Maybe, so he's like, maybe he's like, we'll just, we'll, it'll be an incremental commitment that we do here. They didn't say what type of ring. Could it be Cracker Jack ring for all <laughs> we know, you know. Good point. <laughs> Ricky informed Brenda that he needed to move on. He began dating around and eventually found another girlfriend. That ended quickly. Which was the reason he decided to send Brenda the email in June. <laughs> in the email, he politely let her know that he was in a new relationship and that it was going very well. Okay, so let me say this. Has anyone ever sent a message, email or otherwise, to their ex, intending to be polite to tell them about this new relationship that's going so well? No. 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 I don't. I, I have a hard time believing <laughs> that you would be polite to do that. That sounds a little bit like rubbing their face, throwing it in their yeah. face. I mean, these days it's probably text, but even then, I mean, come on. Yeah, that doesn't. That doesn't seem very nice. So I'm leaning towards her being the culprit already. Oh, I really? Mean, okay. The new girlfriend's name was Kendra Hatcher. She was a 35-year-old pediatric dentist who lived in Gables Park, 17 one of the luxurious high-rise apartment buildings in Dallas's uptown, the neighborhood just north of downtown that's home to thousands of upwardly mobile millennials. She looked like a toothpaste model, with perfectly <laughs> white teeth, high cheekbones, green eyes, and softly waving raven hair. And she was enchanted with Ricky. During one of their first dates, she wore a pink sweatshirt that read, I'm with Dreamy. Throughout that summer, Ricky and Kendra dined at fashionable uptown restaurants. They took expensive trips. On their Facebook pages, they posted photos of themselves hugging each other and smiling. They were so in love they talked about starting a wedding fund. Then, on September 2nd, the day before Kendra was to fly with Ricky... So he went straight to wedding fund with Kendra. I didn't even know wedding fund was a thing. I mean, yeah, so so Kendra, she did, he didn't need to make any promises... They just wanted to go straight to let's save let's save up some money. All right. Well, okay. Well, Brenda Brenda sounds like she wasn't wasn't what he was looking for. So I think you might be right. I think I'm getting onto your side. Yeah, I think see? I think Brenda might be jilted. Oh, isn't that what you call them? Jilted lovers. Mm. Scorned. Lovers. Scorned. Oh gosh. All right. Let's see. To Cancun for a long weekend, someone walked up to her in the parking garage of Gables Park 17. 
and fired a bullet into the back of her head. Okay, that escalated quickly. Wow. The killing sent shockwaves through uptown. Young women were hesitant to stroll the neighborhood sidewalks or linger over cocktails at night with their friends. Kendra's co-workers at Smile Zone, the Irving practice where she worked, gathered one evening outside the entrance to the Gables Park 17 garage. They held flowers, candles, and posters with Kendra's picture on them, and they told reporters that Kendra was kind and congenial, with a smile always on her face. They could not imagine who would want to kill her. Because Kendra's tan coach purse was missing, Dallas police detectives initially speculated that she had been shot during a robbery. But within a week, the narrative took an almost unbelievable turn. The detectives believed Kendra was the victim of a murder-for-hire scheme orchestrated by none other than Ricky's ex-girlfriend, Brenda Delgado. Since the break... I guess, I mean, you called it, huh? <laughs> They're already <laughs> looking who's got the motive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what so it boils down to. It's that polite polite notification that I like someone way better than I ever liked you. I think that yeah. probably probably wasn't a good move. The breakup, the detectives had learned. Brenda had been stalking Ricky, reading his texts and emails and tailing him around Dallas. When she realized that he was falling for Kendra, she recruited two people she barely knew, a down-on-her-luck single mother and a small-time marijuana dealer, to kill Kendra. Maybe that way, police theorized, she could again have Ricky to herself. Soon, producers from all the network television true crime shows, 48 Hours, Dateline, 2020, were racing to Texas to cover the story. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're going to plan something like that, you're not just going to pick two people off the street, right? You know, hey, buddy, you want a job? I got the thing for you, you know? Let's... Well, it's kind of like, you seem like you like a hustle. Like, would you like, would you, I've got a gig just for you. A, mo a single mom down on her luck. Like, where did she? She's not going to have time for that. <laughs> I mean, she's not, she's not going to be able to find a babysitter to get this done. <laughs> the marijuana dealer's not going to get out of bed. It's just, I mean, he's working from home. Okay. He's working from home. That's true. Um, That's true. This is remote work at this, this point. These police guys they need mm. to get their act together a little bit. I think they need to try harder. Yeah. See, what's, what do you got? Yeah. What's round two? Yeah, that was a pretty quick uh, pretty quick <laughs> theory. And it took them a week to get it together, though. Oh, I thought this was like they showed up and on the sidewalk. You know what? I think, I bet you these two guys <laughs> did it, you know? <laughs> what is this, a mom down yeah. on her luck? Well, Look at this small, small time <laughs> drug dealer. Okay. All right, let's see if the cops can do any better. A correspondent from the Daily Mail in London arrived to do interviews. Everyone wanted to talk to Brenda, or at least get a look at her, but she was nowhere to be found. Big surprise. The detectives met with the FBI, which eventually put Brenda on its ten most wanted fugitives list, making her, at the time, only the ninth woman to attain that distinction, and offered a $100,000 reward for information leading to her arrest. The FBI also warned anyone who spotted her not to approach her, as far as law enforcement officials were concerned, Brenda was dangerous and desperate, a jilted lover on the run. Okay. Members of Brenda's I would just like to get credit for <laughs> jilted lover. Okay, all right, thank you. His family, however, insisted that the police had got it all wrong. They said they could not fathom Brenda's coming up with a plan to commit any kind of crime, let alone murder. 
She's a beautiful and very Christian person, Brenda's mother, Maria, told the Daily Mail's correspondent. She has the best family values and is not the jealous type at all. George Milner, a well-regarded Dallas attorney who had been hired by the family to represent Brenda, declared that she had never before been in trouble and that she had no history of mental illness. Brenda Delgado is a nice, normal 30-something American, Milner told me. She's incapable of violence. Not even Ricky could imagine that Brenda had anything to do with Kendra's murder. Since his breakup with Brenda, he said, they had remained good friends. On the very night of Kendra's murder, Ricky had texted Brenda to let her know what had happened, and she had texted him back the next morning, offering to bring over groceries or anything else he might need. Ricky told police and prosecutors he was baffled. It just didn't seem possible, he said, that someone so kind and helpful, so genuinely sweet, could transform herself, almost overnight, into a cold-blooded killer. So it's always the person you least suspect, right? Okay, so this lady's painting a good picture, but you gotta, I'm wondering about the other side, you know? What about this lady that had the high-rise and, you know, who else was she dealing with in the back end? So we'll forget about that, you know? We That's don't true. know her story yet. We're just, they're focusing on this one lady, so. That's true, and they're all talking about how she's real, real sweet. Family values, Christian, I don't know. I don't know. Stick with the facts, you know. In 1982, Brenda's father, Luis, a factory worker in central Mexico, decided he and his family deserved a better life. After visiting Texas and other states, he brought his wife and five children to Dallas, which he called a city of opportunity. The Delgados found a modest home in Pleasant Grove, a lower-income community in southeast Dallas. Luis got a job in construction. Maria worked for the U.S. Post Office and cleaned houses. Brenda was the second of their five children and the only girl. According to one of her brothers, who asked that his name not be used, she was determined to make something of her life. She was an excellent student, loved by her teachers. After school, she worked part-time at a floral shop and as a waitress. When Brenda graduated from Skyline High School in 2000, she talked about enrolling in college and someday attending medical school. But because her parents couldn't afford to pay her tuition, Brenda continued to live at home, attended an evangelical church, got a job as a dental assistant, and took on a second job whitening teeth at a day spa in North Park Center, a popular high-end mall in North Dallas. Okay, so I'm hearing more of your point that you just made is like we have a hardworking first generation uh, person who wanted to go to college but wasn't able, instead is keeping two jobs, living at home, mm-hmm. regular church goer. And then yeah. we have this other woman who was shot in the back of the head, which seems pretty aggressive. And she has seemed to go to school because she's now, what did they say, pediatric pediatric dentist. So, yeah, I think maybe she has some skeletons in her closet that mm-hmm. we, are, we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, she went out with girlfriends to trendy restaurants and bars in uptown. She didn't dress as well as the more fashionable uptown women. She bought her clothes at Forever 21, 
but there were plenty of guys interested in her. According to... Let the record show there's nothing wrong with Forever 21 clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I bought so many clothes at Forever 21. So another thought is, right, and throwing these theories out here and we'll get to the end. So second theory is she was shot in the back of the head. Whoever did this didn't know it was her oh. or got the wrong person, oh. grabbed her purse, and ran off because he realized he got the wrong person. I need some ID. Boom. <laughs> now these totally innocent people are mixed up in this. Exactly. Ooh. Made it to Texas Monthly. This is going to be a Netflix documentary. <laughs> the big time. <laughs> her brother, Brenda, was very selective about whom she dated, and when she did go out, she didn't drink much or act flirtatious. One man who met Brenda for dinner told me that she showed up with one of her brothers. On their second date, she brought along a girlfriend. In time, Brenda did move out of her parents' house. She stayed in northeast Dallas, in the spare bedroom of an apartment of a childhood friend and her husband. She continued to socialize on occasion in Uptown, and she joined a couple of dating apps, which is how she met Ricky. He was a studious young man who loved to do research, co-authoring academic papers with such titles as Selective Tyrosine Kinase Inhibition by Imatinib Mesylate for the Treatment of Autoimmune Arthritis. Autoimmune he was not a big talker. Brenda's brother described him as kind of introverted, to say the least. Ricky was in the final stages of a divorce. He had married a woman in California before moving to Texas to do his residency. And he was just beginning to date. He was a catch, a handsome and ambitious M.D., and he had his share of female admirers. But among all the women he got to know in Dallas, there was something about Brenda that intrigued him. He, too, had come from a humble background, raised in a single-wide trailer in rural northern California, and he appreciated Brenda's desire to make a better life for herself. For their first date, Ricky took her to a Jennifer Lopez concert at the American Airlines Center. Brenda was dazzled, and Ricky clearly cared for her. In November 2012, three months after the J-Lo date, Brenda's childhood friend told her that she and her husband were ready for her to move out of their apartment. Brenda asked Ricky if she could stay with him, and he promptly invited her to move into his apartment at the stylish Fitzhugh Urban Flats, just across Central Expressway from uptown. Brenda brought Ricky to her parents' home and introduced him as her boyfriend. Maria cooked dinner, and Ricky tried to speak Spanish with her and Luis. Over the next several months, the relationship blossomed. In April 2013, Brenda posted a birthday message to Ricky on her Facebook page that read, Happy birthday to the most amazing and smartest man I know. Ricky, together we've shared so much happiness. You are my best friend. I love you with all my heart and can't imagine life without you. By all accounts, their relationship continued to blossom. In the fall of 2013, Brenda enrolled in dental hygiene school at Sanford Brown. During their first class, the twenty or so students were asked to introduce themselves. One student later told the Dallas Morning News that everyone else spoke about themselves and their families. Brenda, however, spoke mostly about Ricky. By early 2014, she was wearing a promise ring that Ricky had given her. Marriage seemed to be on the horizon.
She took Ricky to Mexico to visit her relatives. She got a weekend dental assistant job so that she could help him pay for a new two-bedroom apartment. She also arranged for her mother to periodically clean the apartment. But one day in July 2014, Brenda came to class in tears. Ricky, she told a classmate, had broken up with her and had asked her to move out. What caused the split is not clear. Perhaps Ricky decided he wasn't ready to settle down so soon after his divorce. Whatever happened, Brenda did not handle it well. Her grades fell, and for a few weeks she withdrew from the dental hygiene program. Ricky, meanwhile, seemed to be moving on. In September, he signed up for a salsa class at a dance studio. The way the class worked, women and men danced together for a few minutes, then rotated to the next partner. One night, Ricky... Er I guess he didn't do so hot at that J-Lo concert and need to make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> My moves aren't there yet. <laughs> that was an eye-opening night for uh -huh. him. Maybe he was just so embarrassed, he just he couldn't deal with it anymore. <laughs> can't be around you, Brenda. I'm sorry. So this all comes down to low self-esteem yeah. of his dance moves? Possibly. Wow. I mean. That'll be, I, I got to say, that'll be a twist I don't expect if we find that to be the case. We'll see. <laughs> Arrived at the studio and saw Brenda among the students across the room. He had no idea she knew about the class. Hold on. So he, are we saying he went to a class, a dance class, a salsa, salsa was it? Yeah. And Brenda's there? Oh, is she? All right. All right. So from the female perspective, let me just <laughs> let me just say this doesn't sound like a coincidence of her recent breakup that's clearly been difficult on her because she had to stop, quit school. Sounds like she got a lot of extra time on her hands to figure out who's coming to what kind of salsa dances, <laughs> salsa classes. Who's stalking mm. who here? I don't know. This is seeming a little, uh, a little suspicious that she showed up here. They danced with different partners, and after a while, he rotated to her. As they swept across the floor, the chemistry between them apparently came roaring back. Ricky would later testify that the two of them subsequently got together to practice their salsa dancing. We reintroduced each other into one another's lives, said Ricky, and we decided to give our relationship another try. Brenda had rented a one-bedroom apartment near downtown behind a Target, about a mile from Ricky. This time around, Ricky didn't ask her to move Brenda. Spot. Brenda's... Yeah, exactly. Um, I just so happened to get my own apartment a mile within walking distance. I meant because she was right behind the Target. And <laughs> just walk and go get whatever she needed, right? I love Target. <laughs> Starbucks very, is in there. Very practical, Evan. <laughs> that's very practical. His father, Luis, asked Ricky about his intentions toward Brenda, and according to Brenda's brother, Ricky replied that he had good intentions. But the more he thought about it, the more he began having doubts about the relationship. As Brenda's mother later explained to the Daily Mail reporter, he said he had some issues in his life that he needed to take care of. And so, in February of 2015, Ricky broke up with Brenda again. Okay, was that a clue they just dropped? I have some things in my life that I need to take care of. Or was that a cop-out? 
Sounds like a general excuse. So, okay, so you don't think you don't think that's a clue that you think that's him realizing that maybe he's this isn't the gal for him, and he, he wants to let her down easy because she only lives a mile away, and and he doesn't want to mess up. Salsa I see class. her at Target every day. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I'll know. have to find a whole new salsa class. Mm-hmm. So exactly. Then and I have an upcoming J Lo concert, so I'm not going to be ready. <laughs> Ricky later testified that he and Brenda remained platonic friends. They periodically texted to see how things were going. Every week or so, he would see Brenda when he went running on the Katy Trail. At the time, I thought it was just coincidence, Ricky said, the same way it had seemed coincidental when she showed up to his salsa class. He also thought it was pure coincidence when Brenda showed up one day at a Panera Bread restaurant near uptown, just as he was leaving with a woman he had started dating, a nurse named Mirland. So is this not exactly what happens in uh, horror movies? It's like, it's just a coincidence that literally every place that I go, especially if I have a female companion that I'm running into my ex, because I know she lives just a mile away. Maybe so, but it could be coincidence. Mm. Again, from the female perspective, I would would like to just cast a little bit of suspicion on that because oh my gosh we're modern day detectives like we're just innate well i understand we have a different level of something going on (laughs) especially with social media (laughs) especially (laughs) with social in general i mean i would i would just pass by and say hey what's up you know keep on walking not thinking anything of it and getting pinched in the arm going out Wow, we, wrong. we really have things in common. <laughs> We're just really crossing each other's paths. Yeah, see, right. well, well... I mean, you know, I'm, I live in Cairo, so you're going to see everybody at H-E-B type of thing. So yeah. where they live, yes, okay, I can see. Yeah, well, yeah that's unless true. There's, unless this Panera Bread, this Target and all this is kind of all in the same area <laughs> in the strip mall or whatever, <laughs> you know. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I, th- I feel like we're starting to get some red flags on Brenda. It is hardly unusual for heartbroken lovers to keep tabs, at least for a while, on the people who broke their hearts. Who hasn't checked the Facebook page of an ex or driven (laughs) past that person's house at night to see if there is an unfamiliar car parked in the driveway? And who has not tried to hunt down details of an ex-lover's new partner just to satisfy curiosity? But Brenda was not just curious she had set up an actual spying operation. She had Ricky's email and iCloud passwords and a key to his apartment, remnants of their life together. She also downloaded an app that allowed her to track the location of his cell phone. Let this be a lesson. You should always <laughs> take. You should always change your passwords and take your keys back from anyone that you're no longer romantically entwined with. Yeah, I mean, that seems like its own fault right there. So. Yeah. Yeah. feel bad for him. Because, Evan, so anytime that uh, someone leaves GVEC, we'll update our security, right? We'll change passwords that they may have access to or anything like that, just for general security. Yeah, I mean, typically we're going we're gonna to kick you out as soon as you're out the door. Right, right? we didn't even break those people's hearts. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like, what... That's, I don't know. This is, this is just, now I feel like... You got me thinking. Do I need yeah. to go check around for little spy bots and yeah, things around he's here? he's got bad... Bad security protocols, sounds like. Brenda took screenshots of Ricky's text messages with the new girlfriend, and she took a screenshot of the airline reservations he had made for the pair to visit Denver for his birthday. Brenda was careful. 
She didn't say anything to Ricky that would have tipped him off about her digital sleuthing, nor did she do anything to upset the girlfriend, like leaving her threatening anonymous voicemails. It's possible that Brenda remained a passive observer because she sensed from reading Ricky's email that this relationship was not going to last. It's possible she believed that Ricky, deep down, still loved her, that all she had to do was stay patient, bide her time, and wait for him to come back around. And who knows? All that could very well have happened. But in May 2015, along came Kendra. She came straight out of middle America, born and raised in a small Illinois town named Pleasant Plains. Her mother, Bonnie, owned a quilt shop. Kendra was captain of her high school cheerleading squad and the girls' volleyball team. She went on mission trips abroad to help build churches, and she led Bible studies for low-income children. She attended DePauw University in Indiana, where she majored in Spanish and minored in biochemistry, and after graduation she enrolled at the University of Kentucky College of Dentistry. Kendra spent her spring breaks working for Habitat for Humanity. One Christmas, she traveled to Ecuador to perform free dental work for children. She was That's the most nice. generous... Yeah, but we're bringing South America into the mix. And we've yes. already talked about a drug dealer. Yeah, well, see? So I don't know. Are we starting to see some connections? Mixing things up and taking them with her on these mission trips. And, <laughs> you know? What kind of mission is she on? How can you get stuff past customs? <laughs> oh, we're going on a mission, you know? Uh-huh. Carry know. on. Giving friend, said her dental school classmate, Tammy Pantano. You could call her at 3 a.m. and she would answer without any hesitation. Her laugh was contagious high-pitched and full of joy. Kendra had married her college boyfriend, but it didn't last. In 2010, hoping for a fresh start, she moved to Dallas, went to work at Smile Zone, and rented an apartment at Gables Park 17, which features a saltwater infinity pool, a fitness studio, a gourmet coffee bar, a cyber lounge, and a 24-hour concierge. Eileen Velasquez, her yoga instructor at Bikram Yoga on McKinney Avenue, said that men did double-takes when they saw Kendra. But none of the men she met intrigued Kendra the way Ricky would. She read his Tinder profile. Living out my childhood dream as a physician, he wrote. Very happy and in a great place in life. Enjoy running, exploring places new to me, and opening the car door for my date. She swiped right. On May 24th, they met for dinner at Cozy Kitchen in the heart of Uptown. Things progressed quite rapidly, Ricky acknowledged. Our values were matched. Our interests were really in sync right from the get-go. When Ricky sent Brenda the email in June letting her know he had a new girlfriend... I've never heard of Cozy Kitchen. I mean, that sounds like chuck e cheese to me or something but i mean why would you i don't know i do have to say uh in my trips to dallas i've had some really good food yeah but maybe they started running out of uh na out restaurant names, names. Yeah, yeah so so hopefully it was good they i based on uh, everything that they're talking i'm sure it was fairly upscale and fancy based mm. on you know all the all the amenities at their apartment complexes yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to look that up on yelp <laughs> next time i'm in that direction he never mentioned kendra's name nor did Brenda ask any questions about her. Instead, she simply 
presented herself as wanting to remain friends, Ricky said. In July, when Ricky needed to get his car repaired, Brenda arranged for him to drop it off at a mechanic's shop owned by one of her friends. She picked Ricky up at the shop, drove him to work, and later drove him back. She was perfectly pleasant. She didn't talk to Ricky about their breakup. She said she didn't mind helping him out. If he ever needed her, she said brightly, she'd be happy to help out. But alone in her apartment behind the target, Brenda was starting to fall apart. She had devoted nearly three years of her life to Ricky, lived with him, worn his promise ring, posted messages on Facebook about her love for him, and now she was being replaced by an all-American beauty from a heartland town called Pleasant Plains, someone Brenda could never be. Because Kendra had an open Facebook account, Brenda was able to read all of her posts. All right, Kendra. She needs some privacy settings. So we have overall security issues here. You don't don't leave your social media accounts public. It's open to anybody. It, that, yeah, open to anybody, whether it's someone who has motive potentially right. to do something to hurt you or even just run-of-the-mill scammers. It's just mm-hmm. too much information. Keep your information private. She learned on Facebook that Ricky had gone with Kendra to California and to a resort outside Austin. Except for their visit to Mexico to meet her relatives, Ricky had never taken Brenda on any nice trips. She took a screenshot of the photo of Kendra wearing the I'm with Dreamy shirt, and she took another screenshot of Ricky and Kendra posing happily in front of the Dallas skyline. One night, she went to dinner with Roberto Menendez, a car salesman who seemed romantically interested in her. She spent the dinner talking about her ex-boyfriend and his new girlfriend. Afterward, she said she wanted to visit a friend, and she had Roberto drive to Gables Park 17. They parked outside the building. If Roberto thought this was going to be his chance to kiss Brenda, he was sorely mistaken. Brenda, he later recalled, spent the entire time peering through the windshield, looking in vain for someone. Milton Martinez, who had gone to high school with Brenda, also took her to dinner. Once again, she talked mostly about Ricky and Kendra. At one point, out of the blue, she asked Milton if he knew someone who could hurt someone. Milton was dumbfounded. This lady's kind of smart, though, right? She's getting these people to take her out, buy her dinner, and drive her around like an Uber and go stare at these guys. (laughs) window, you know, for a while and then drop her back home. So I gotta give her props for that. It yeah. sounds like she's resourceful, you uh-huh. know, so. Hmm. Yeah, but I'm definitely hearing an obsession growing. If that's all she can talk about, it's not good. Whatever you're thinking, drop it, he said. Brenda was spiraling downward, her jealousy souring into something more obsessive, something dangerous. When she met her cousin Moses Martinez for drinks, she brought along a metal baseball bat. Wow. She told him she would either buy him a car or pay his child support if he threatened Kendra with the bat. Just to scare her, Brenda said. Moses turned her... This is not good. What I find interesting is that she was like, it's not even bring your own tools to work. I'll supply, I'll supply what you need. <laughs> I want that back, by the I way. Want that back, by the way. <laughs> her down, thinking she was just drunk. 
Brenda then turned to a friend named Jennifer Escobar, whom she had met when the two of them were working at the North Park Mall. Brenda knew that Jennifer was going through some hard times with her boyfriend. She expressed deep concern about Jennifer's problems and invited Jennifer to move in with her. In early August, Jennifer did move in, but she had hardly unpacked when Brenda began talking about Ricky and Kendra. She spent so much time talking about the couple that Jennifer found herself coming up with excuses to stay away from the apartment after work. She was super obsessed, Jennifer later testified. Brenda offered to buy Jennifer drugs or even a car if she would help exact revenge on Ricky and Kendra. She said she wanted to use the baseball bat to knock Ricky... It's always interesting to me that these stories, when they talk to everyone, everyone's like, no, she's a sweet Christian girl, and she would never hurt anyone, except for all those dinners that she took people out <laughs> trying to request that they threaten harm or just cause full harm. But see, she's and being... you make her mad, I mean, see what happens. Yeah, she's being selfish, too, because these are people that she's related to and that she knows and she's claiming to be friends with that she's asking to do this, knowing that it could get them in trouble. Mm -hmm. So, you know, well, if you're going to do this, what you need to do is make sure that you have enough, enough separation from the person that it doesn't draw back to you. So I know you said she's a smart gal, resourceful, but I think... Yeah, I think she's maybe not as smart as, as she should be because she's not she's not creating enough space between her and the people she's trying to. But yeah. maybe if you find a single mom down on her luck and a small-time marijuana dealer. And see, her family, those family and friends wouldn't rat her out. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. no. You know, or maybe she said that or they forgot about it. You get, you get some... Uh, the marijuana dealer off the street or whatever is like, mm -hmm. yeah, give me a hundred bucks, I'll tell you whatever you want, you know. And yeah. so, yeah, I'll rat him out pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know where she lives, right? That girl behind the target there. <laughs> yeah, the tar yeah. I like that they brought it back up. Sure, sure, yeah. So, See? I guess you were right to really hone in on that convenient it's, spot behind the target. Yeah, yeah it's a good location. <laughs> <laughs> Into a coma. She wanted to kill Kendra by grabbing her from behind and stabbing her in the chest with a drug-filled hypodermic needle Yikes. or by beating her to death. A frightened Jennifer moved out of Brenda's apartment in mid-August. Brenda... Rightly so, Jennifer. ...promptly approached one of Jennifer's friends, a 23-year-old single mother named Crystal Cortez, who had come to the apartment a couple of times to see Jennifer and let her six-year-old son swim in the complex's pool. Crystal, who lived with her son at her grandmother's home in a low-income area of South Dallas, was struggling financially. She made $11 an hour working as a receptionist and assistant at a dental practice. When I interviewed Crystal, she told me that she admired Brenda. Brenda seemed to have her life together. She dressed well and wore MAC makeup. She drove a used Lexus that was in good condition, and she had two leather sofas and two big-screen TVs. There's a lot of uh, product placement in this yeah. podcast. I feel like she'd be drinking a Pepsi or something right yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, open up a soda right in front of the microphone so you get that nice, crisp, open sound before we leave. She looked like she would be a nice friend, said Crystal. Brenda started buying Crystal dinners at restaurants, Crystal listened as Brenda recounted her relationship with Ricky, 
than Ricky's relationship with Kendra. She said that Kendra was the reason that Ricky had stopped paying her attention and wasn't taking care of her, Crystal recalled. She said, I'm going to eliminate Kendra. I can't deal with it anymore. Brenda offered Crystal $500 to help her carry out the killing. Crystal, who had never before been arrested, said she'd do it. Why? Is that the going rate? $500? That seems pretty cheap. Yeah. She was going to buy her cousin a car. I know. Say what happened with all the big spending. Yeah, she's low-balling them now. Yeah. Why? This lady sounds like she hopped on it for five hundred bucks. Well, but but you get what you pay for. Yeah, I she's know. not going to get a hypodermic needle for five hundred dollars. <laughs> Doesn't even sound like she's getting the bat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I later asked Crystal, would she accept such a paltry sum to assist Brenda, whom she had only known for a couple of weeks, to carry out the murder of a woman she'd never met? She gave me a blank look. I was broke she said, and I had a son to support. Crystal's the down on her look, single mom, I guess, then. Okay. I guess so. Okay. Now I feel like she's taking advantage of her and, like, knowing that. I'm mm-hmm. only going to give you 500 bucks exactly. for, uh, for this dude a car over here. So. That's why she, yeah, that's why she was lowballing her. For several days, Brenda and Crystal tailed Kendra around Dallas, one of them watching her through a pair of night vision binoculars that Brenda had purchased. They decided the best way to kill Kendra was to shoot her. But because neither of them had experience with guns, Brenda suggested they find a hitman. She asked me if I knew someone who could do it, because I came from a run-down neighborhood, said Crystal. They drove around Crystal. So Crystal sounds like really more of a consultant. So she's like, I'll pay you $500 to go headhunt me, so, yeah. a good hitman. So she already knew she was going to subcontract this guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got you, girl. Don't worry. <laughs> I know this guy. He'll do it for 200 bucks. See, but see, that's where he'll do it for 200 <laughs> So I think that's where you have to start making those that separation. See, she, she knows I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I need to get this done. There, there's some lack of experience, I think, on Brenda's part. This is clearly her first murder. Now she's for got hire. a partner, so you know they're going to put their heads together. It that's true. Like. That's true. Two heads are better than one, Evan. Was neighborhood asking various men they saw if they would be willing to shoot someone for money. At one point, they dropped by Crystal's mother's house. A former neighbor happened to be there. He was with a friend named Christopher Love, who had brought along his children so they could jump on the trampoline in the yard. Christopher who eked out a small income selling marijuana, was 31, tall and wiry, his body stamped with tattoos. One of the tattoos on his back read, One Man Army, above an image of an AK-47 surrounded by bullet holes. He had a criminal record going back to his teenage years. He had been convicted of aggravated assault, aggravated robbery, and burglary of a residence, and he told a friend that he wanted to start a prostitution ring, all he needed was some startup money. Brenda and Crystal followed Christopher to his apartment, where they talked on his balcony. To impress Christopher, Brenda made up a story about having connections to a drug cartel, and she said that she would pay Christopher a combination of drugs and cash, supposedly totaling $3,000 in value, if he joined her murder-for-hire team. He quickly accepted the offer. When Brenda asked if he had a gun, 
Earlier, she and Crystal had gone to Academy Sports and Outdoors to buy a handgun, but they had backed out at the last minute, figuring the purchase... I guess they weren't carrying what they needed at Target. <laughs> I guess not. You know, <laughs> they do not carry those at Target, so... <laughs> Were they were they really trying to get spo- true sponsorships for this podcast? They were just hoping like somebody's somebody's gonna yeah. want to pay for getting their name in this in this Texas <laughs> Monthly article. Surprise! Yeah, they didn't. It's gonna be later covered in the GVEC Unplugged podcast. So it's kind <laughs> of a big deal. This would be too easy to trace. He produced a forty caliber Smith and Wesson pistol. Trying to be helpful, Brenda and Crystal bought gloves for Christopher to wear so he wouldn't leave fingerprints. Crystal also searched the internet for someone who might sell her a silencer for the pistol. Christopher told them not to worry. He knew what he was doing. He would take care of everything, he said. In late August, Ricky and Kendra visited San Francisco, their third trip to California that summer, and they posted photos of themselves on Facebook riding a tandem bicycle and a go-kart. They made plans to take more trips in September, to Cancun for Labor Day weekend, and to Kendra's hometown of Pleasant Plains so that Ricky could meet her family and attend the town's fall festival. After a mere three months together, Ricky and Kendra were already talking about marriage. Aline Velasquez, Kendra's yoga instructor, told me Kendra was ecstatic about their relationship. She would come to yoga class and smile all the way through it, even when she did the triangle, which is a particularly hard pose. Meanwhile, on August 26th, Brenda graduated from Sanford Brown. She posed for smiling. How, how is that relevant information at this point? It's a very hard pose. <laughs> no, I think he's just trying to add some depth to the story. Maybe maybe it's not as exciting as he wanted it to be. So he'd be like, this, she, her yoga skills were on point. Just yeah. so we can really feel the loss of the talent of this person <laughs> who listed all these incredible accomplishments, but nothing topped her triangle. <laughs> One out of ten. That was an eleven triangle. You know what I need in my life is more triangle. <laughs> Selfies with her classmates. Her family came to the graduation ceremony, gave her flowers, and took her to dinner. Brenda's brother told me that she seemed perfectly happy. She was looking to the future, he said. Brenda was still in touch with Ricky. He had sent her a text wishing her good luck on her final exams. But he also let her know that starting on August 31st, he was taking her off his cell phone plan. He had been offered a position at a medical practice outside Sacramento and would be moving there in October. He asked Brenda if she knew anyone who might be willing to buy some of the furniture from his apartment. For Brenda, the news must have felt like a punch in the gut. She realized she was about to be shut out of Ricky's life entirely. He was preparing to start a new life 1,700 miles away, and Kendra no doubt would be with him. Brenda decided to have the killing done on September 2nd, the day before Kendra and Ricky were scheduled to leave for Cancun. She borrowed a friend's silver BMW for Crystal to drive, but that morning, there was a problem with the BMW's accelerator. I want to know how that conversation went. You know, hey, <laughs> borrow your car for the afternoon. There's just something I, someone I got to take out. I mean, I got something I got to take care just of. Just a, a quick murder. You know? 
Yeah, it's just, you know, an hour tops. Yeah, hour, hour tops. I'll get it detailed when we're done. You <laughs> won't have to worry about a thing. I've got experts on the job. <laughs> I brought in a consultant. I'm set. I'll give you 500 bucks, I'll give you too. 500 bucks. <laughs> Brenda and Crystal took the car to the auto repair shop owned by Brenda's friend, Jose Ortiz. So, Jose Ortiz's shop is coming up again. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there's something there. What's this guy doing? How's she knowing where he's going? I mean, I know she has the app on his phone, so I guess that's really all she needs. She doesn't need to tap into the GPS of anybody's cars. Yeah, it sounds like she's got all his passwords and everything. Yeah. On, so. on his cell phone plan about to get kicked off. But well, maybe maybe this is just a small business that they want to make sure gets good exposure in, in this article. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe nothing. And he agreed to let them borrow his black Jeep Cherokee while he worked on the BMW. Crystal drove Brenda to a public library, where Brenda had arranged to meet a classmate and study for the upcoming state dental hygiene certification exam, a seemingly perfect alibi. Crystal then picked up Christopher. They parked across the street from Smile Zone, where Kendra was already at work, fixing kids' teeth. For most of the day, they stared at Kendra's car, a white Toyota Camry. At around 2.30, Crystal suddenly put the Jeep into gear, telling Christopher that she needed to pick up her son from school. She took Christopher back to his apartment, got in the carpool line at school, retrieved her son, bought him a corn dog and tater tots at a Sonic, dropped him off at her grandmother's, returned to Christopher's apartment to pick him up, and drove back to Smile Zone. Kendra was still there. She finished work early that evening and drove away, followed by Crystal and Christopher. They lost her in traffic. She took a detour to a friend's apartment to borrow a waterproof camera to use while snorkeling in Cancun, so they drove to the parking garage of Gables Park 17 to wait. Several minutes later, Kendra arrived. Christopher, who had been huddled in the back seat, got out of the Jeep right after Kendra drove past them in the garage. He walked toward where she parked, and just as she stepped out of her car, he raised his pistol and shot her in the head. Another resident who was in the parking garage heard Kendra scream, more like an animal, not like a human, he said. Christopher grabbed Kendra's coach purse and the camera and hurried back to the Jeep. Crystal squealed away, driving right past Kendra, who was lying face up on the garage floor. At the time the murder was taking place, Brenda was at a Chili's having drinks with Jose. One of her classmates had given her a ride from the library to the restaurant. She and Jose returned to his house after nine. She called Crystal to confirm that the task had been completed and asked her to drive to Jose's so they could swap the Jeep for the BMW. Seconds after Crystal arrived, Brenda grabbed Kendra's coach purse from the Jeep and slung it over her shoulder. Brenda must have been thrilled. It seemed like her scheme had gone off without a hitch. When the police interviewed Ricky that night, he said that he had no idea who would want to kill Kendra. He certainly didn't mention Brenda as a possible suspect. When he texted her about losing his girlfriend, she was so concerned, so sad, so willing to do anything to help him in his time of grief. Eric Barnes, a veteran Dallas police homicide detective who was in charge of the murder investigation, had only one lead, 
a grainy surveillance video of a woman driving a black Jeep Cherokee out of the parking garage. He decided to release the video to the news media, and Jose happened to see it. Alarmed, he called Brenda, who hastily explained that Crystal had driven the Jeep the entire day. Brenda added that she believed Crystal had a drug problem. Maybe Crystal had been in the parking garage trying to buy drugs, Brenda said, and maybe something had gone wrong. When Jose said he was afraid to drive the Jeep around Dallas, fearing that he might be pulled over, Brenda suggested he painted a different color. She also advised him not to tell anyone about their conversation. After talking to his family, however, Jose... I think that's always a really good ground rule to set when you're going to commit a murder. It's like, hey, let's not share this with anyone. <laughs> that's like an upfront thing. But, <laughs> I mean, I hope this guy is charging an arm and a leg to fix that BMW after all of this. <laughs> well, you know, I was thinking about it, and maybe they did have that awkward conversation, like just a quick murder, hour tops. Yeah. But when the starter or whatever the heck, the accelerator wasn't working, it was really nice of her to be like, I'm just going to get this taken care of for you. On the house. Yeah, just a minor speed bump. We got it. <laughs> no problem. We'll take the Jeep. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. Met with Barnes and told him about Brenda and Crystal. The detective then quickly contacted Ricky for another talk. Ricky, too, had seen the video and, at least for a moment, had wondered if the woman behind the wheel of the Jeep was Brenda herself. He told Barnes he was getting scared. Brenda was coming to his apartment later that day to bring him groceries. Barnes called Brenda, who was at the library studying again for the board exam, and sent officers to pick her up and bring her to one of the Homicide Division's interrogation rooms. She was wearing a black baseball cap, a colorful striped shirt, black yoga pants, and white tennis shoes. Her hair was pulled back in a ponytail. Shortly after Barnes walked in, Brenda noticed his I Am Second bracelet, which some Christians wear to let people know that Jesus Christ comes first in their lives. Brenda said she too was a believer. She crossed her legs, leaned forward, and looked earnestly at Barnes as he told her he was investigating the murder of Kendra Hatcher. She seemed to have no idea what he was talking about. How did my name come up? she asked. Barnes questioned Brenda for more than two hours. She told him that her relationship with Ricky was not all that serious. She wasn't particularly upset, she added, when they broke up. She said she had never learned the name of his new girlfriend and didn't know what she looked like. Barnes asked her to recount her whereabouts on the day of the murder. She never mentioned going to Jose's. She said only that her friend Crystal had dropped her off at the library that morning and had picked her up that night at Chili's. Brenda opened her wallet and pulled out a neatly folded receipt from Chili's to prove... So she's ready to throw Crystal under the bus right away. Right. She's like, I don't know what Crystal does with her day. All I know is it smelled like Sonic when I got back in the car after my Chili's, but... <laughs> here's my receipt. See, here's, my, here's my receipt. <laughs> she hadn't even given her the 500 bucks yet. You know? Yeah. So, oh, she needs her out of the way. Cause she's like, she's, nah, you guys got to do this up front, and then nobody comes. <laughs> That's their mistake. Mm, that's pretty rough. Yeah, because she does still owe uh, the small-time drug dealer $3,000 worth of product, I guess. Yeah, she's in for 3500 bucks at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah, so she needs to make sure that she wipes that debt clean. Mm -hmm. Sounds like she's maybe a good liar, too. 
How did my day come up? What? I was just at Chili's. I just had Chili's. Doing salsa and chips and water, you know. <laughs> to Barnes that she could not possibly have been at Gables Park 17. At some point during the interrogation, an officer informed Barnes that Crystal had been brought in, and Barnes went to question her in another interrogation room. She acknowledged that she had driven the Jeep into the apartment garage, but she told... I bet he had that flashback, too. It's like, oh, Brenda, she's been around me all this time. You get those, she was at Panera Bread. She was at Target. She was at... <laughs> that's what it's going to look like in the documentary when they make it. Watch. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I, I just... I'm not really impressed by Brenda's integrity right now that she was so quick to be like, uh, Crystal? And... And she just, like, completely threw her under the bus immediately. She knows she's down on her luck. Well, every man for himself at this point. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Several stories about why she was there. She initially said that she was simply looking for a parking place because she wanted to eat dinner at a Mexican restaurant a couple of blocks away. Then she said that she had been with her son the day of the shooting and that she had parked in the garage so that she could take him to play at nearby Clyde Warren Park. Eventually, Crystal said that a man named Lamar, whom she didn't know, had forced her at gunpoint to drive him into the parking garage to rob Kendra. Finally, she admitted that Brenda had paid her and Lamar to do the robbery, but she said she had no idea that Lamar was going to shoot anyone. Okay, so Crystal, maybe she got weak and broken down, but she's got a little more, a little more buy-in to the scenario because she's just like, ah, I know, I was just, I was just like driving around. Mm-hmm. My kid needed a place to play. So, are we saying that the kid was in the car when this happened? Is that what it sounds like? I, I mean, they didn't. Pretty detailed, right? But he didn't mention what happened to the kid. Maybe they just forgot he was there, <laughs> quiet <laughs> eating his corn dog and having a good time. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. That's really that's really interesting, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not real impressed, yeah. again, that Brenda was so quick, whereas she at least tried to cover the tracks. Of course, I guess she was there, so maybe she had more reason to be like, no, no, I didn't take someone to go shoot them. Mm-hmm. After the shooting, Crystal continued, Lamar got back in the Jeep and ordered her to drive away. She did not protest, she said, because he had a gun. Barnes walked back into Brenda's room, determined to get her to confess. Rather than confronting her, however, as would happen in a typical police interrogation, he decided to speak to Brenda in a gentle voice, like a father talking to his daughter who had made a mistake. I have had my heart broken, and I know what that feels like, he told her. I understand what it's like to want something that you can't have. I also know what it feels like to want something so bad that you're willing to do anything for it. Brenda shook her head no, but Barnes persisted. All this revolves around you, and it's all because of something you couldn't have, he said. You couldn't get him back as long as she was alive. Barnes didn't take his eyes off Brenda. I think you hated the fact that you weren't good enough for Ricky, he said. Maybe he didn't like the way you look. Maybe he didn't want a dental hygienist anymore. He That's rude. You think he's dissing her Forever 21 clothes? <laughs> Whatever he needs to do, get the truth. <laughs> he wanted a dentist. Maybe he didn't like the fact that your parents weren't well off. Maybe he didn't want a girlfriend from Pleasant Grove. Maybe his standards were too high for you. But for whatever reason, 
you weren't good enough for him. And that's a hard pill to swallow, very hard to swallow, to look in the mirror and say, what did she have that I didn't have? Barnes's voice grew even quieter. I don't think you're a bad person, he told Brenda. But you know what? You've been stomped on. You feel like you've been hurt. You've run out of options. He paused. Everybody has a point where they break, he said. And I think that's what happened. For a moment, it looked as if Brenda were going to crack. But she said nothing. Barnes realized he was going to have to let her go. He had her booked into the Dallas County Jail on an outstanding warrant for an unpaid traffic ticket, but she quickly paid the fine and was released. Meanwhile, Barnes arrested Crystal on capital murder charges. A few days later, police learned through phone records that Crystal had been texting a Christopher Love in the days leading up to Kendra's murder. They searched his car, found the Smith & Wesson behind the glove compartment, and had him arrested. Then they went looking for Brenda to arrest her. But she had already boarded a bus to Mexico. You know what I always think is interesting whenever I watch cop shows? Not um, not real ones, but like entertainment cop shows. Or even like a hostage situation. They're like, we can, this is everything can be okay. If you just stop right now, everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, it's not going to be okay. You're definitely going to trial and going to prison for a right, long time. Right. I'm like, it's not okay. <laughs> I'll get you out of here. Yeah, they're always like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get you a deal. And I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, a great deal of prison time. <laughs> I, I, it's always so funny to me that I'm like, man, I hope I never find myself in a situation where I've made that bad of a decision. That and I have a, negotiator a, comes that a police in. officer <laughs> telling me that if I, if I stop right now, everything's going to be okay. Put down the bat, Jordan. It's going to be okay. <laughs> For six months... She lived quietly with relatives in the town of Torreon, 200 miles west of Monterrey, in north-central Mexico, doing nothing that would bring attention to herself. She was the same kind, congenial Brenda that she had once been in Dallas. When the FBI, working with Mexican authorities, found her, she surrendered peacefully. Brenda was a U.S. citizen, but because she was born in Mexico, she was also still a Mexican citizen, and according to Mexican law, she could not be extradited to another country that would seek the death penalty for her crime. After the Dallas District Attorney's Office vowed that it would not ask a jury to sentence Brenda to death, she was returned to the United States. Kevin Brooks, the lead prosecutor on the case for the Dallas District Attorney's Office, knew he did not have the strongest case to put Brenda away. She did, after all, have an alibi for the night of the murder. Brooks met with Crystal and offered her a 35-year sentence in return for her testimony about the roles she, Brenda, and Christopher had played in Kendra's murder. Crystal spoke to her attorney, who said she could be paroled in 15 years, and agreed to the deal. When I asked Crystal why she decided to confess, she told me that her mother, who was battling kidney disease, had come to see her in the county jail. She said that she was disappointed in me. She raised me better, Crystal said. After her mother died in November 2017, Crystal decided to make amends. I was foolish, she told me about that August month when she was Brenda's friend. I was young and simple-minded. I got caught up in the excitement. She gave me another of her blank stares, 
as if she were unsure what else to say. Brooks tried Christopher first in October 2018. Relying on Crystal's testimony, jurors took two hours to find him guilty, and they voted to sentence him to death by lethal injection. Brenda's trial began this past June. In the courtroom, she wore long dresses or pants and oversized black-rimmed glasses. Not once did she turn around to look at Kendra's family, her own family, or the other spectators packed into the gallery, nor did she look at many of the witnesses who testified. But then Ricky took the stand. Perhaps Brenda realized that this would be her last chance to see him, and the last chance for him to see her. Still as a statue, she kept her eyes on him as he spoke. But he refused to turn in her direction, except for a few seconds when Brooks asked him to identify her. There was a pause. Reluctantly, Ricky glanced at Brenda. They locked eyes. Then Ricky looked away. It took jurors... That's pretty ultimate rejection right there. Just a quick look. Yeah, forced. Only I'll only look at you if I'm absolutely forced to in a court of law. Yeah, it's what uh, it's what a lot of them do in those shows where you see the live thing. They're only looking straight at the judge or something like that. You know, they don't want to face that stuff. Now that they know they messed up, like mm -hmm. Brenda, you messed up. But yeah, can't look at anybody. Yeah, yeah. Only 20 minutes to return a guilty verdict for capital murder, and the judge sentenced Brenda to life in prison without parole. For just about everyone who had followed the trial, there was still one big unanswered question. What exactly had flipped inside Brenda? Was she afflicted with something called obsessive love disorder, an actual term that some psychologists use to describe someone who is fixated on possessing another person? Had her breakup with Ricky set off some sort of Jekyll and Hyde transformation within her? Did she genuinely believe that her plan could work, that Ricky would return to her once Kendra was gone? The answer wouldn't come from Brenda. She wasn't talking. As she was escorted out a side door of the courtroom by bailiffs, she paused for a moment, then turned for the first time toward the gallery. Perhaps she was searching for the familiar face of a family member, or perhaps she was searching for Ricky, hoping for one last look. But he was already gone on his way back to his new life in California. Brenda walked through the door, and then she too was gone. Wow. So there was there was never a guess. This is just a story of yeah. how she did it. Yeah, this wasn't very uh, mysterious, but man, it's crazy to realize, especially as being so close to home and, you know, Brenda's background maybe even being similar to what a lot of us can relate to. It's, it's crazy to think that it can be anyone at any time that can plot and commit this type of mm -hmm. crime. And I think that you think it, it wouldn't happen. Like you hope, especially if there was someone that you're romantically involved with, that you have enough, I don't know, instincts to realize like, oh, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't yeah. spend two and a half years of my life with this person. But just anyone can... Anyone can turn, it seems. That's scary. Yeah. Watch your back, I guess. Watch I mean, your back. Sheesh. So well. I guess I guess I was right then. It was the killer. 
Brenda was the killer. Brenda was the right. killer. So that's interesting that the guy who pulled the trigger actually got the death penalty. Yeah. I mean, he was the one who actually did it, so mm-hmm. I mean, that's the one they're going to go after the most. But Do you think she would have? they would have tried to give her the death penalty, too, if they hadn't made the deal prior? Oh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that it wasn't, you know, just bait and switch. Oh, yeah, well, no, we're not going to do that. And then as soon as she gets over here, yeah, here you go. There's an injection for you, too. I'm sure that has to do with, like, diplomacy and just trying to keep good I'm sure. relationships. Yeah. I'm sure that's what uh, maybe what <coughs> Kendra's family was could have been wanting, too, mm-hmm. you know. But Well, yeah. maybe even uh, Ricky, too. Yeah. Seemed pretty angry. Left the state. Guy. Guy. California, right? That's what they said. Mm-hmm. So, what did you learn, Evan? <sighs> what did I learn? Well, it's good real estate behind Target. Mm-hmm. Um, don't stalk people. Yeah. If you're gonna do it, don't like walk right by them. Just right. hang out in your car. You know, right? Keep your social media <coughs> profiles <coughs> private. You know, keep keep a long list of. People in your little black book, I guess. Don't just grab people off the street. Yep. You know. Change your passwords regularly. <laughs> Change your passwords regularly. Get your own cell phone plan. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. 30-something years old, you know. Yes. Do not continue to pay for <laughs> your ex-girlfriend's cell phone plan yeah. for such a long time. My goodness. She must have been charming to have so many people willing to listen to her talk about violence and pay for her to be on their cell phone plan and yeah. get lend her their BMW. I mean, it was a faulty BMW, but. Right. But a BMW nonetheless. Nonetheless. And silver. <coughs> and silver. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I learned, I think, the most is just to watch out for dentistry. At yeah. This point, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think um, the the cosmetic medical field yeah. appears to have it's maybe a little cut bit. through Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got the. <coughs> We've got the dermatologist, the dental hygienist. I just I just got my teeth cleaned last week. I would be shocked to find out that my dental hygienist had had someone killed. Wow. Yeah. But now you're going to think about now, that. Yeah, now yeah. I'm like, mm, Gloria, mm, I'm, let's talk a little bit more. Check before. your blood pressure before you get stuff done. Why is your mm-hmm. blood pressure so high? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Exactly. Wow. So. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen to this story with me, yeah. and uh, I hadn't heard it before now, so we, we oh, went through okay. that journey together. Awesome. Yeah, it was it was entertaining nonetheless, and it's good to be here. Glad to join you in your story time. So, Well, as always, I have very much enjoyed spending time with you, even, and I hope <laughs> that we can have you back sometime. Sounds great. Thanks. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or have ideas on how we can make this podcast more interesting, just email gvecunplugged at gvec.org with your feedback. Be sure to subscribe to the GVEC Unplugged podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, or Overcast to be notified when new episodes are released. Take care of each other, GVEC team, and stay safe till next time.